This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. To Discam Medical Monday, I'm your host Dean Gerson. It's good to be back, and we are very privileged to be joined this morning by Dr. Brad Galbart. Brad's an orthopedic surgeon with an interest in orthopedic sports medicine. And he completed his uh, knee fellowship with Dr. Ponky Furrer and trained in shoulder and orthopedic sports medicine surgery with Dr. Mark Ferguson and Prof. Dan Goodman at the Tower Orthopedic Institute in USA. He's a lecturer at the Department of Orthopedics at the University of the Bethesda. His interests include all knee surgery, arthroscopic shoulder surgery, muscle and tendon injuries, and biological therapy for musculoskeletal injuries. He serves on the executive of the South African Knee Society, the South African Sports Medicine Association, and is the founder and director of the Johannesburg Orthopedic Sports Medicine Institute. He's also director of the Center for Sports Medicine and Orthopedics and an associate of the Linksfield Orthopedic Sports and Rehabilitation Center. He's also the director of the VITS Sports and Health Research Group, which is revolutionizing academic sports medicine in Johannesburg and beyond. Welcome, Brad. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me, Dean. Um, okay, so uh, you started orthopedic surgery. Your expertise. Uh, what interested you about it? Orthopedic surgery is something that interests me because I was always very sportsy, active, and uh, was a typical King David boy. Uh, walking to school one day, and uh, we're deciding what we're going to study. And all my friends were going to do accounts and become accountants and go and make lots of money in their minds. And I thought, what else can I do that interests me? And sports and sports medicine um, and orthopedics um, just kind of rang a bell. And from my days in school, started to get involved in medicine. And uh, 15 years of studying later, um, and I arrived to be an orthopedic surgeon. And fortunately, managed to get a fellowship in knee surgery with one of the great knee surgeons in Johannesburg, Punky Furra. Um, and thereafter, spending spend the next 10 years just learning on the job, as they say. Uh, and it's been a great uh, ride. We learned a fortune, managed to speak to many exciting people, do lots of good things, and uh, hopefully change a few lives. Um, as they say now, I don't save lives anymore, I save lifestyles, um, and I'm very, very happy to be doing that. Awesome. So what interested you about the knee? You, you learned about all the bones, all the joints in in the body, why specifically me and sports? They always say that man plans, uh, but I shouldn't get the ultimate plan. And, um, you know, life just works out. When I finished my orthopedics, I wanted to stay in the States and work and specialize there and get more experience and do things. But unfortunately, at the time, there was no space available for me in the States. And so I had to go and find something else to do. And as things worked out, um, Ponky was looking for a fellow. I applied for that, and uh, the rest is history. But having said that, I think there was always an interest in knee surgery, being a runner, having done comrades, which everyone tells you uh, allegedly bugs up your knees. Um, I always had this inkling to go towards knee surgery, something I understand, something I with. So on the one side, it wasn't quite planned. From the other side, it worked out as I planned. A little bit um, about the knee, maybe some of the structures in the knee and how they function, and then we can go on to 
um, various problems with the knee. And just as you said, we can discuss runners and long distance running in the knee as well. So the knee is a very simple joint, which is why we like it. Um, it essentially is two major bo- bones that articulate your femur and your tibia. Um, and those need to bend and straighten. And in order to bend and straighten, there's a number of ten muscles and tendons that work on it. Um, the muscles, mainly the quadriceps, make your knee straight. In order to make your knee function, there's another bone inside that called the patella, which forms the third part of the joint, which is your patellofemoral joint, uh, which is a lot of force going through it every single day, up and down stairs and sitting and running and sucking to a lesser extent. Um, those bones obviously need to be held together so they don't fall apart, otherwise it wouldn't be a good thing. So there's four major ligaments that keep your knee together. Your collateral ligaments, of which is the medial and lateral, and your cruciate ligaments, the anterior and posterior. Now, for most sportsmen out there, and soccer players, netball players, rugby players, uh, when you mention the anterior cruciate ligaments, they kind of cringe a little bit. They cringe. Um, also, I was doing that. As, as you said it, I picture the guys walking in their braces and picture um, the soccer player injuries. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So um, if you're a Man United or Liverpool supporter, Michael Owen has done his ACL. Uh, and many, many, many top sportsmen have torn their ACLs. And so when we're not in COVID and in the sports world, half my week is spent fixing crucial ligaments. But just to go okay, back to your question, yeah. the, the, the knee's got the bones, but a cartridge between the bones and meniscus and the four major ligaments. We'll be back in two minutes. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. We're back with Dr. Brad Galbart, author and sports medicine specialist, orthopedic sports medicine specialist and knee specialist. Brad, what was he talking about the knee? You mentioned that there was cartilage and uh, meniscus. What's the difference between the cartilage and meniscus? You always hear people saying, oh, I've told the meniscus or I'm having my meniscus operated on. What does the meniscus actually do? So the meniscus is a cartilage. It's a type of cartilage, and we have six different types of cartilages in the body. As you as an ENT know, the ear is one, the nose is another, and there are different types of cartilage. The joint has a separate type of cartilage called articular cartilage, which lines the bones. It's hard, robust. Uh, cartilage, and then it's got menisca, which is softer, kind of like the ear cartilage that moves inside the knee and disperses load. Unfortunately, if you put too much load in the wrong way, you may tear it. Okay, so can we go into the different types of sports injury, uh, sports injuries or knee injuries that you see? You mentioned now that you're a comrades runner and everybody says, don't run comrades, it's going to uh, kill your knees and you'll, you'll uh, end up running, starting to run early. Were the knees designed to run? Uh, so let me just put a disclaimer in there. Um, part of my biography that you didn't mention is that I do lots of knee replacements also. Um, and uh, the argument is don't run because you need knee replacements. Well, I'm not going to say that, that you must run because you'll need a knee replacement because that's good for business. No. <laughs> so you, so you're on the, on, on the fence. It depends which hat you're wearing. Are you a runner or are you an orthopedic surgeon or a businessman? The answer is actually that when one looks and does the research into it, running is a very good sport for people. It's good for your cardiovascular system. It's good for your bone density. And believe it or not, it's very good for the articular cartilage inside the joint because that pounding 
nourishes the calf by sucking nutrients in and out as you squeeze the cartilage. And so therefore running is an excellent sport. The challenge with running is that like anything, once you have a weakness, that weakness then becomes exacerbated. So in the knee or the ankle or the hip, um, if you have an existing cartilage lesion, and you then go and run on it, you then are possibly doing more damage. Um, and so the evidence shows that running up to 10 kilometers, maybe 21 kilometers once in a while, is very good for you and healthy. Between 21 and 40 k's, the research is not so great, but more than marathon distance has shown to accelerate cartilage wear in the joint. Okay. Okay, so that was almost a very politically correct. So how many comrades do it once and, and never again? If your knees are good and you've got no injuries, you can run as much as you want. Um, but once you've got an injury, then you need to start resetting your goals. Okay, so so I'm sure you see different injuries or different pathologies in different age groups. What's the main uh, knee injury that you see in, in runners or in, in younger people? So runners tend not to injure their knees very much. The problem with runners is that, and I'll say we because I count myself as a runner, tend to do too much too quickly. And we keep pushing the boundaries until we overload our joints. And so the majority of runner injuries are overuse injuries. Uh, and therefore not structural injuries. And therefore a little bit of rest, that four-letter swear word uh, for a runner. <laughs> um, and uh, rehab often settles most of it down. Okay, where, where are the most common overuse injuries? The most common overuse injuries are the knee and there are the ankle, for sure. Okay. Okay. And, uh, okay, so uh, then the most common knee injury that you see in the younger age group? The most common injury that I see uh, that needs surgery are cruciate ligament injuries. Um, these days, there's so many excellent sports physios and sports physicians uh, generally, the patients only get to me once they've been through a screening process um, and they need surgery. And the biggest ones in the younger people are ACL and. Do you want to maybe explain to us what the ACL and PCL do and how they are injured? We'll, we'll talk mainly about the ACL. We'll sum it up in in the thirty seconds for you. The ACL is the main stabilizer for rotation in your knee, and therefore, what happens is when you turn goes in different directions, you tear your ACL. Once that's torn, the ability of your knee to remain stable with twisting movements is lost. And you then put stress on other structures and then you cause problems. Okay. Is the, is the only way uh, to fix a torn ACL surgery or can you fix that through rehabilitation? That's a great question. Um, nothing's 100% in medicine, as you know. Um, yeah. But Unfortunately, the ACL doesn't heal very well. It's made just to fit in the space where it is, and that's where it was put. But when, once you tear it, gravity and the way the body is, it doesn't heal back in a good position most of the time. Sometimes you've got very low-grade tears, um, and then it heals back in place. So therefore, not all the time, but the vast majority of the time, it's probably better to get it fixed, yes. Okay, and when you talk about a repair, you do that with scopes, with the keyhole surgery, as the Damon calls it? Yeah, we like to do everything through as small a hole as possible. Um, And uh, we we call it orthoscopic surgery. Um, We don't repair it, we reconstruct it. We can't 
repair those fibers because it's kind of like a bomb went off inside there. It's often an explosion. So we need to make a new ligament for you. We need to find the new tissue from somewhere else. Uh, often around the knee, we take a new tendon or ligament from somewhere else and put it into the knee. But then what, you suture, you suture it in place? We've got a few tricks and tricks of the trade of how to keep it there. Um, yeah. Lots of different devices. It's a massive industry of how to do it. But we draw tunnels in the bone and we suspend it across where the old ACL used to be. Okay. And what's the rehab like uh, post ACL surgery? That's a challenge. Um, it depends where you're aiming to get towards. But for young sportsmen, you're looking about nine months to be back fully playing sports, back on the field, playing rugby or soccer. But usually about six weeks on crutches and then lots of physio in the gym getting strong. Okay. Well, sounds like a rough road to recovery and devastating mm-hmm. for a, a sportsman. Do they ever get back to... To good as new, or uh, are you always kind of plagued by this injury? So if we look at the stats around the world, because this is a very common injury, 70% of people who tear their ACLs get back to the same level of sports. The majority of people who, who do that and uh, don't return are people, are weekend warriors, um, or the people who are skiing on the slopes and they just injured the ACL. And they don't want to go back and re-injure feel like they want to go back and ski or play soccer with their mates on a Sunday afternoon anymore. But if you look at professional sportsmen, Champions League footballers, Premier League soccer players, it's around about 95%. And the difference is they're earning up to £100,000 a week. So no matter what their need feels like, they're going to make sure they get back to go and play. Um, so the higher level you are, the more motivated you are, the more likely you are to get back to playing. So yes, we definitely do. We definitely can get you back to activity. Okay. okay, let's move to the other end of the, the spectrum, maybe the older age group. What age is most common to have a, a knee replacement and what pathology most commonly um, warrants having knee replacement? So a knee replacement, um, let's just first get the myths out the way. Um, okay, great. You know, everyone thinks you're going to cut the knee out and put a whole big, massive, whole new leg in there. Um, it's not really... Such an invasive procedure as that, unless you've got major bone loss and problems. Really, all we're doing is if you have an arthritic joint, osteoarthritis, we've lost that weight-bearing cartilage, and we go and remove that damaged bone in that area, and we just put a little bit of metal and plastic inside there, which restores the ligaments to their best position and realigns your leg. Now, the problem is that we put metal on your bone, and again, as I'm sure you know, all mechanical things eventually fail. And so we like to do new, new replacements once in your lifetime. Um, and we're getting better at them. So we expect them to last 15 to 20 years. So uh, the plan is to try and do it once you're over the age of 60, if we can, when your demands are less. However, if your knee is very painful and you've got the right indications, we're doing them younger and younger these days. And can, uh, can you run or exercise with the knee replacement afterwards? What are the limits of the new joint? Great question. You can definitely exercise, but not run. Running and jumping are not good ideas. Although I do have a few patients who, even after a few years, come back and tell me, you know, Doc, I'm running better than ever. And I like look at them and go, okay. But yeah, the reality so. is that running and jarring um, may loosen up the bone metal interface and therefore it's not recommended 
but you can cycle, you can swim, you can play tennis, you can snow ski, you can water ski, go to the gym, you can do your Pilates, you can do almost anything else you want to do. Uh, running is just not recommended. Okay, you said you're getting better and better doing knee replacements. Tell us a bit about uh, the surgery, how long does it take, um, how long are you in hospital for, and what's the recovery like? So the, sur- the surgery is about an hour and a quarter. Um, we, when I first started this uh, 11 years ago, we were keeping in hospital for between four and five days and making sure you, you were very well looked after. Uh, in the era of COVID now, we've, we have pushed it now to two days in hospital and people are getting home very comfortably. And in fact, in the US, they're doing same day knee replacements. So you come into hospital and you go home the same day. Um, we're working towards getting there. We just need our patients to be ready for it. Um, so the hospital stay is not, not that bad anymore and we get you rehabbing in your own comfort of your own home. Um, okay, well, 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 yes, sorry, carry on. It's just that you need crutches and someone to look after you at home for the first six weeks. Okay, so why did uh, why did you keep them in hospital for so long? What was your concern, or what is the concern? We used to want to make sure that the pain was under control, that you were walking well. We wanted to make sure that the knee was settled, that you could get to the loo okay by yourself, and that you could look after yourself. But maybe we tougher in 2020 and 2019 than we were in uh, 2009, 2010. And guys want to get home quicker, they want to get in their own beds. And people are managing, and... Uh, Less and less people are staying for longer in hospital. Okay, and how's the pain? How's the pain associated with it? Well, most people are in quite significant pain before they come into hospital. Um, and so they generally go home with a different type of pain that we control with tablets mainly. And we've got a few other devices, ice machines, compression machines that help as well. Um, and there's some people who've got no pain. Like some of them have they've had no pain. They need to take their painkillers. There's some people who are in agony, but the vast majority are some in the middle of that. Um, and normally by six to eight weeks, most people are very comfortable with this. Okay, perfect. We're going to take another short air break and maybe we'll come back and start speaking about uh, other joints. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. Welcome back. We are speaking to, this is Discam Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dean Gerson. We're speaking to Dr. Brad Galbart. Brad, you, said, you mentioned that you do arthroscopic shoulder surgery in your um, intro. Can you explain to us what exactly that means? And is it only for sportsmen or do you treat other injuries with it? And uh, what kind of injuries do you see in the shoulder? So the shoulder is a far more complex joint than the knee. Um, it sacrifices stability for mobility. And so if you kind of take a golf ball on a, on a tee, it's kind of how your shoulder works. It's a big ball sitting on a small glenoid, and there are lots of muscles and tendons that keep it in place. Um, and it's a very small cartridge layer. And we use our shoulders to do a whole host of things and put our hand in a whole different variable positions. And so the shoulder is a far more complex joint than the knee. And the majority of pathology there is tendon tears and the cartilage tearing and instability. So we dislocate our shoulders from rugby in particular, most commonly. Or as we get older, we tear our rotator cuff, which is the, um, the, the muscles that control the movement inside your shoulder. 
So what kind of sportsmen do you usually, are you seeing uh, most with shoulder injuries? Shoulder, rugby players in general, and then you're throwing shoulder, you're throwing shoulder uh, players. So um, in our country, water polo, cricket from time to time, um, in the U.S., baseball, and these sorts of sports are very common to have shoulder injuries. Okay, and that's you, the rugby injuries, are those impact injuries from the shoulders, or are they stre- like overuse or, or stretch injuries? Mainly impact. Um, for those of you who haven't watched rugby for a while, because um, of COVID, it can be quite an impactful sport. Okay, and what injuries do you commonly see when guys are bashing their shoulders against uh, other people? The most, the most common is uh, shoulder dislocations, where the humeral head pops out of the glenoid sockets um, and tears off the, the labrum and the cartilage. But now and again, we also damage what's called the AC joint. That's this joint in the top of your shoulder um, where the clavicle and the acromion and scapula come together, and that probably would be the most common ones that doesn't need surgery because of the fact that it's quite a stable joint. Okay, and uh, do you see any golf injuries? Do people injure them? I know it's quite like a, a slow uh, sport with their swing, and I know most people, maybe they injure their elbows or their wrists. What about the shoulder in uh, golf? No, golf's a generally very safe sport, which is why we managed to play it up until uh, the, good, the good old years. Um, the golfers tend to get overuse type injuries. So just tendinopathies um, and inflammatory disorders rather than acute injuries. Although having said that, I have seen a few people who've uh, not had the best swings tear some significant muscles all over the body from golf. Okay. Um, all right. So let's move on a little bit, uh, a little bit further down to lower back and and hips. What kind of sports injuries do you see? In that area, I know, I remember you once telling me about Gilmore Grain a long time ago. Maybe you can go into that as well. The Gilmore Grain. So, yeah, yeah the Gilmore Grain is what we call a sportsman's hernia. Uh, very common soccer um, and rugby injury. And again, once again, it's an overuse type injury where there's dissociation of the muscles of the abdominal wall. Um, behind the inguinal canal. And when that pulls off, it changes the biomechanics throughout the whole pelvis. Um, and so if it doesn't settle down with physiotherapy, a small repair of that is a phenomenally good operation um, and it turns sportsmen to the field. Okay, and uh, what about, do you deal with hips at all? I know that... Uh... You don't really do uh, hip, repla- hip replacements and femur fractures and that anymore, but what about sports injuries with regard to the hip? Do we see them in runners? Uh, again, runners are overuse injuries. There's a lot of debate currently in hips on what we call femoral acetabular impingement, which we think might be pre-arthritic um, in certain people with certain anatomical abnormalities, which we call CAM and pincer lesions, um, and those, that cause, causes microabrasion of the labrum and the cartilage in the, in the hip. And for the last 10 years, there's been lots of debate as to whether one should go and put a scope in there and go and remodel that and repair the labrum or not. I'm sure some of your listeners may have had that done. It's quite a common procedure these days. Um, but the jury is still out as to whether it is or isn't 
important. I think in the right indications is something that one should be fixing. That's a major hip sport problem. Uh, hip replacements, for those who are listening, um, is a very, very, very good operation. It was voted the best medical invention of the 20th century, believe it or not. Um, and it's very successful for those who have got ongoing chronic hip pain arthritis. Awesome. Uh, then I just wanted to ask you two more things that uh, we spoke about. You spoke about, uh, uh, sorry, that you mentioned in your CV, biological therapy for musculoskeletal injuries. Can you tell us a bit more about that? I'm sure a lot of your listeners um, hear what's coming out of Israel, um, where every week a new biological therapy for something has been released. The U.S. is no different. Europe is no different. And the whole world is kind of looking for the holy grail of how do you keep us young and fit without artificial medication and rather using our own tissues, our own regenerative cells, mesenchymal stem cells and all the healing factors in our body to heal injuries. And so there's lots of research into things like PRP, platelet-rich plasma. We take your blood, spin it down, put the platelets back in. Uh, mesenchymal stem cell therapy, which is when we take bone or fat uh, we spin it down, we take out the stem cells, and we put it back in. Unfortunately, the jury is still out on many of this. The costs are very high, and there's no right and wrong answers for everybody, but there's certainly some sort of recipe that we can try and use for each individual person on an individual basis. Okay, we're going to take another short uh, ad break, and when we come back, I just want to uh, wrap up and ask you about your VIT sports and health research We'll be back after this. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. Welcome back to Discam Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Gerson. We're speaking to Dr. Brad Galbart, orthopedics, orthopedic surgeon and orthopedic sports surgeon. And Brad, just at the end of your CV, it was saying that you are the director of the Center for Sports Medicine and Orthopedics. And you're also the clinical director for the VIT Sports and Health Research Group. Can you tell us, as we wrap up, just a bit more about this VIT Sports Health and Research Group and how you're revolutionizing academic sports medicine? Thanks, Dean. So about 18 months ago, the University of Witwatersrand decided it needed a focused sports medicine group to do research and academic training and clinical services and outreach to the community at large. Um, the Dean of the Faculty, Prof. Martin Villa, Professor John Patricios, uh, to get this initiative going. And uh, through our Chairman, Prof. Helen Yezwa in Physiotherapy, they approached me to look at the clinical services side of this. Um, and in the last 18 months, we have established an academic research group and now part of the Faculty of Medicine, um, or the School of Medicine, a sports medicine group at the University of Witwatersrand. And our focus is threefold. One is um, research, which we have a, a research director, Professor Benito Olafia, looking at research in the field of sports medicine in Johannesburg and internationally at large. Um, we've got an academic curriculum where we're looking to train sports physicians. And then obviously clinical services, because there's no use doing research if we're not treating the sportsmen. And our clinical services are in the public and private sector, looking after sportsmen and women 
throughout the spectrum of financial ability and at every level, um, from professional to recreational sportsmen. Um, and it's a great initiative. We're growing. There's lots of webinars going on now with COVID. If you look up, if you just go onto our Facebook page or uh, Twitter, Wish WISH, you can find out more about that. And lots and lots of information, international webinar speakers, and uh, a great initiative started by the university that I'm very proud to be part of. And that looks awesome that you formalized things and uh, that obviously you've seen that there is the need and you are, have uh, taken that on. Uh, Dr. Brad, if people want to get hold of you, if they want to make an appointment, if they want to see you, what's the best way to get hold of you? Can you give us a couple of numbers? So we uh, we have, have two practices, one in Rosebank at the Center for Sports Medicine and one in Linsfield. Um, we are operating. We've got day clinics available to operate at. So if you just go online and uh, I suppose Google me, you will find the numbers. Um, over one point five one seven zero six at Linksfield or seven double eight five double one zero in Rosebank. But uh, Centre for Sports Medicine Orthopedics, you'll find us there. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Brad Galbart, for joining us. Thank you again for joining us on Discare Medical Monday. Stay home and stay safe, and we will see you next week.